Good evening, Harvest Baptist Church. That's a, man, what a way to start a missions conference, right? Has this week been a blessing? Raise your hand if God has, man, just met you where you're at. Awesome. Man, God has just been at work through the messages. I'm so, so thankful for what's happening here. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Miles Cheadle, and I am the director of Friends of Internationals. And some of you are like, cool, what is Friends of Internationals? Well, Friends of Internationals is a ministry out of Midtown Baptist Temple, and we uh, just seek to make genuine friendships and build relationships uh, with scholars and internationals that come from all over the world that land here in Kansas City, right? We, we find in Acts 1.8 uh, that, that, that Jesus is calling his disciples to be witnesses of him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. And man, y'all, the mission field is here, Right? Uh, It's so, so exciting what God is doing in this ministry, and we're so thankful. You know, this ministry really, it's based out of Pastor Alan Shelby, right? Our our Andrew Wong, the the gentleman that started Friends of International, is fruit of of international student ministry. Were any of you in ISM or familiar with ISM? Yes, right? But Pastor Andrew Wong, he is fruit of that ministry. He, He became a pastor, got trained up got equipped with the word, and grew a burden for internationals. And he said, hey, we got to reach the students that are coming and flocking into this nation to get an education. They think they're coming to get an education, but really they're coming to meet Jesus, right? And so it's been so, so exciting to be a part of. We've seen God uh, just bless this ministry. And so I'm just going to give you a a quick heart of the, the Lord, right? This ministry is so important because God's heart is for the nations. And we see this from Genesis to Revelation, we see God separate Abram, right? And he says, hey, I'm going to bless you so that you could be a blessing and that all the nations, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you. We see him save Joseph so that he could save the world, right? We, we see him establish the nation of Israel and separate them and consecrate them for work that, that they would be a lighthouse to the nations, Right? That, that Solomon would be the wisest, the richest, the most incredible leader that this world's ever seen so that the nations could come to Israel and learn of their God. By John 3.16, we see his heart, that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so we see, do you guys see that God's heart is for the nations? Yeah. And, and guys, God's mission is for the nations. We see it in Matthew 28, 18-20. We see it in Acts 1.8. Uh, we, we see that he that wineth souls is wise, Right? And so, man, we got to be wise men. we got to win some souls. And y'all, again, the, the nations are coming here. So the next slide, we'll see that over a million international students come to study in the United States every year. I don't know if you guys, you know, are, are numbers people, but a million is a lot of people. That's a lot of people that come into the nation to seek an education. And, and when you look at the dem- demographic of these people, uh, most of them are coming from places like India places like China, uh, places like the Middle East, right? And so we've got the Middle East, the the Southeast, the Far East. These are some of the hardest places in the world to go to and reach with the gospel. And yet they're coming to to our back door, right? And so again, they're coming. Many of them have never heard the gospel message before. And we get to meet them, build relationships with them, and see God work in their lives. And we've seen souls, I mean, their lives completely transformed, Right? People that, that never heard the gospel before then are ministers and making disciples with us at Midtown Baptist Simple. And so it's been a very, very fruitful ministry. Uh, what this ministry looks like, 
Uh, we do airport pickups. So at the beginning of each semester, we want to be the first faces that students meet whenever they land on the ground in Kansas City. I don't know if you've, any of you have ever been to a foreign country before where you don't speak the language, where, where you don't have any friends or family there, and you land and you step out, and it's just like the air is different, right? And if someone's there to meet you with a smile on their face, that, that, that's ready to take you in, to, to show you around, to tell you what part of town not to go to, to show you how to, to get a bank account set up, these things that we take for granted, man, it means the world, right, for us to go out of our way to build simple relationships. And guys, ministry runs on the rails of relationships, right? And so, man, as we build those relationships, man, Jesus, he changed my life, and I can't help but talk about it. And so inevitably, those open doors come, and we get opportunities to share the gospel and to see souls saved and lives transformed. We also do a big welcome party at the beginning of each semester. Uh, we do things like cultural exchange and conversational English uh, to, to help practice English language skills and to build relationships. We do fun things like zoo days, uh, but the, the, the heartbeat of our ministry, what we do, are Bible studies. So every week on Thursdays, we open the Bible and we trust the Word of God to do the work of God, right? And man, once we get the Word of God open and people see the message for what it is and that it speaks to all areas pertaining to life and godliness, man, it's a game changer, right? It, I mean, it, it's got the power to transform a soul. And so it's so exciting to be a part of. Uh, you know, I just want to, to leave you with the, the fruit of our ministry. Uh, so you're saying, well, that, this is cool. This is exciting. Uh, but guys, God has blessed us in a big way. And, and how God is using this in our church is he's seeing souls saved and disciples made that are coming from all over the nations. And so it's exciting to be able to have classes in Spanish, to have classes in Arabic, uh, to have a diverse body uh, that can reach the, the rest of the world. But y'all, it's also teaching and equipping our leaders at our church uh, to, to minister cross-culturally. And that's so, so important, to be able to, 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 to cross and to, to, to go to people that aren't like you, right? I think about Philip. Philip is the only person in your Bible that's known as an evangelist. And not just as an evangelist, he's known as the evangelist. And guys, whenever Philip's called to a great work, it's because there's division within the church, because there's Grecians and Hebrew background believers coming together for the first time, and suddenly they're not jiving together, right? So they call Philip in to, to deal with this conflict. And because he's engaged in cross-cultural ministry at home, what he's used to, to, to go to Samaria and then to, to, to Ethiopian eunuch, he's used to, to reach the nations. And it's just because he got engaged in cross-cultural ministry right where he was at. And so this is an incredible training grounds for future missionaries, for ministry leaders, but also, man, we're, we're trusting God to see uh, churches planted out of this. And so we're seeing souls get saved here. Uh, you know, there's, there's students that came here for an education from Vietnam. Vietnam's a communist country, right? And so the, the, the people that are coming to get an education here from Vietnam, most of them aren't familiar and have never heard the gospel. And, and we're seeing a number of Vietnamese people get saved. They're getting trained up in the ministry. And, and now it's a burden of their heart. And they're trusting God to take the gospel back to their people. And right now we're in the process of, of sending a team to Vietnam to plant a church, right? And, and that's fruit of, of us just reaching souls here and following the fruit back home. Uh, right now we've got uh, really good friends in Nairobi, Kenya, right? And we've got people like Jeanette that came to get an education and, and because of visa situations had to go back home to their own countries, 
and, and got burdened and started praying for souls. And next thing you know, she's got, you know, four Bible studies that she's juggling. And she's like, Pastor Sam, like, what are we going to do? We've got all these souls that are hungry for the word of God, and we've got no church to get them plugged into. And so now we've got Pastor Chris Best in Nairobi, Kenya right now, and they just held a, a church service on Sunday, right? But, but guys, we're reaching souls here, and it's falling out to, to fruit in the nations. And Lord willing, we're going to see more churches planted all over the world. And so uh, I would love to invite you to, to pray for us. Right? This is not a work that, that any man can you know, boast in. This is a work of God. Uh, and it's been such a privilege and it's been such a blessing to be a part of. And so we'd love for you to pray for us. We're trusting God to continue to win souls uh, and to, to see disciples made, uh, but also for us to maintain good relationships on campus. Right? We're on places like UMKC and, and KU Med and the, the MCC schools and JCCC. These are local colleges uh, that, that students are coming to, to study in. Uh, and I don't know if you guys have been on campus lately, uh, but they're, they're not too welcoming to, to the gospel message, right? Uh, and so we're trusting God to continue to, to maintain good relationships with the, the campuses, but to, to never compromise in what God, God's called us to do. And so we covet your prayers for those relationships. We covet your prayers for salvations. Uh, and then we'd love to, to invite you, as you have questions, or even if you'd like to get engaged in ministering cross-culturally, uh, man, no, no matter how old you are, uh, younger or, or older, uh, we, we'd love to, to encourage you that, that it's worth it uh, and that, that there's room for you. And so uh, I love you guys. I'm thankful for the time, and I'm going to pass the mic. Praise the Lord. You know, the word of God tells us that when you seek him, you will find him. But when you seek him with your whole heart, and when you seek the Lord with your whole heart, the heart is placed. It's like God is so strategic. It's placed here for a reason, right at the center. And that's where he has to be as believers, to go out and do what you do for the Lord. He has to be the center of it all. Do I have some amens to that? Do I have somebody who can say, God, be the center of it all? If you all can worship with me, if you know this, I'd love for you to worship with me.
Dobrodošli from Serbia. That's welcome. <laughs> We're 
greetings is travel, hello, dobra vece, good evening. Um, yeah, <laughs> we got tongues going on here. Um, no, I'm Chad Brockmeyer. Um, I've been in Serbia for a year now. You guys uh, saw us go off about this time last year. And my wife and I have been there um, and just serving uh, with uh, another ministry there, uh, Bible studies. Um, and before I talk about um, anything, I wanted to show you a map. Um, just to clarify, there's a lot of people thinking we're in Ser- Siberia. Uh, this is Serbia with uh, Romania, Hungary. It's in the Balkans, not in Russia. Um, they speak a language similar to Russian. Uh, there's a Cyrillic alphabet. But, uh, yeah, it is not Siberia. So we are not bundled up uh, with a heater and wondering when uh, summer will come. <laughs> no, we're comfortable. It gets actually quite hot in the summer, as we found out. And, uh, yeah, we've been just enjoying our time there, enjoying the ministry there, the people there. And I just wanted to share a quick word uh, just in regard to this year and something just to encourage you, you all. Um, I want to say first and foremost, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for every single uh, financial support, um, everything. Um, sent to us, because it's meant everything. Those prayers have been answered. Uh, We've had exactly what we've needed month to month. And uh, God's given me work even to uh, support us there. And um, I'm just so blessed to be part of a body that gives, that prays. Um, You have no clue how much work is being done uh, just in that time of prayer, or in that little thing going through an app, or I don't know how you give, but um, it, it accomplishes so much. So if if you could just spend a little bit of time, short, short time with me in Psalm 27. Something about Serbia is that you go there and you see the stoic facade, you see the frown, I can't frown too much right now. I'm just happy to see you all. But uh, you see the stoic expression and this hard exterior, and uh, it's very bleak. Um, you're riding the buses, and you see scars on people's wrists. You see devastation from not too long ago in the 90s. You see just a country torn apart over and over again, a people that really don't know the hope that they have, really don't know like what a future looks like. They're looking to EU. They're looking to America. They're looking to all these other things to find hope in their life. And they're, they're lost. They're hopelessly lost. And you see this in the faces. You meet this in the streets. And um, you really can very quickly take on Um, this burden, take on this darkness that's there. And if you look at just verse 13, that's all we're going to be at, Psalm 27, 13. Um, It says, I had fainted. Um, Ray and I would have fainted 
entering that country, seeing those people, seeing the bleak situation, uh, if we had not known uh, that there was a church behind us, a church praying for us, people that um, are for missions, people that believe in missions, people that believed in us um, to go um, with what we have. I mean, all, all I have truly is this word. And this is all we need. If, if you're a believer in Christ, this is all you need to change the world, to change a heart. And there's so many times in our life where we can say, I had fainted. We can look at these past two years and say, I would have fainted. Pandemic years, I, I would have fainted. I would have not made it. There's no way I would have made it. And we know this in our hearts. And we know like what this verse continues to say is, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Believe to see. I mean, we believe in an amazing truth here. I don't know if you know what I know, but every word in this word is true. I, I've spent years proving these words for my life and others. And time and time again, it's changed, it's changed my heart. It's changed others' heart. They would have fainted, but like they found something to believe. They found a word to believe. And I love his other part, believe to see. I mean, God doesn't just leave us with a book. He, he left us with the Holy Spirit. He left us with the witness. He left us with the comforter that can be there for us in those times. In those times where we are looking at a ruined country and thinking, there is no hope here. What can I do here? They, they hate me as an American anyway because they think I'm the one that dropped the bombs. But I'm not. I'm the one that's bringing healing. I'm the one that's bringing the word that was sent to heal. And then you start to see. You start to believe the Word of God and you will start to see the Word of God work. You will start to see it work. Trust me, you will start to see it work if you believe in the Word of God. He is a living God. It says, the Lord in the land of the living. There's an amazing verse in Ecclesiastes 9 that says, a living dog is better than a dead lion. And I, I'm just a living dog. I don't know much. I'm just following with loyalty, with faith towards my Master Christ um, and believing the words He says. When He says, go, I'm there with them, wagging my tail, but I'm alive. And it says those that are living are attached to hope also in that passage in Ecclesiastes 9. I would have fainted if I had not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Um, just really remember that Serbia is a place still in turmoil. Uh, there's still a lot of political uh, variables going that could very quickly remove Ray and I. Uh, we realize this. We realize there could be danger in a moment. But uh, the people, trust me, the people that you meet there, they're worth every ounce. They're worth every moment that we can get with them, worth every word of this that we can invest. 
and pray for Serbia. Pray for continued neutrality in the Balkans. Pray for continued peace in the Balkans as the conflict north of there uh, stirs up. Um, Again, just thank you. Thank you so much, church, for your support. Thank you so much for your prayers. And know that, like, we have a living God. You can believe in this and see the work of God in your life. Don't sell Him short. Don't think anything less because you're just here doing something smaller. There's no such thing. It says, our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our reward is in heaven. It's eternal. It's set. And it's worth it. It's, it's worth it. Uh, this light affliction that we go through, it's, it's a weight of eternal glory. It, it's awaiting us. And um, just trust me and know that um, every prayer that you pray, every uh, ounce of sport given um, is going towards our Serbs. Um, God's taking care of us. And I just thank you, church for uh, just this amazing time, and we're looking forward to the time ahead. So, amen. Hey, guys. Thanks for partnering with us here in Mongolia. We're excited about having heat. It's almost winter here. We'll show you around here. Um, here's some of your supplies. And... We got the dormitory set up here, over here with heat. We just shut that down, drain some water for the winter's coming. It's about another month and we've really dropped down cold. But uh, I'll show you the chapel here and some of the work we've gotten done. You've gotten done. Now let me show you the, the ballroom first. This is some of your professional work. dug underground here and got these pipes rolled out to here and uh, these will go on to the sports center and the girls dormitory but for this year we stopped here and we got two buildings done okay so this building is uh, the chapel for youth camp and the pioneers training mission school it's also the dining room kitchen so we're starting out right here at the, in the dining room this is where we came in the ground and brought our heat in barely just right on time this year. So we're excited. Washroom, now it's the kitchen. We cook for about 200 people this summer for the, each time we have camp, and we have some seminars going on, training. Um, yeah, so here's our heating system. 
Thing will kick in when it's about 40 below. Right now, it's not too bad, but uh, we're heading there. coming. We're very grateful to eat in. Next year we'll start our our um, missionary training here in this building. So thank you so much. There. Uh, so my name's Brent. This is Mike. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Mongolia and our last Mongolian trip. Uh, there was three of us from Harvest that went, Mike, my son, who can't be here because he was working tonight, and me. We also had six people from Abundant Life to go with us also, so it's kind of a joint, joint effort. It's been my third time there, um, and so uh, I think uh, Lynn and I's relationship with him started uh, a few years back. When he had been out in the field for about four years, they came and stayed at our house for uh, about a week. And ever since then, we've been keeping track of them and trying to help them out in various ways that we could. So Kansas City's highest temperatures for average is 89 degrees. Mongolian Hangul is 71, and it does get 40 below. I had to size equipment for that slow of a temperature. Well, that creates a little bit of a lifestyle where their short, summers are really short. As a matter of fact, sometimes they have to turn the heat on in July just to get the chill off. And so... People are going crazy during the summertime because they've got about two months to get things ready. But now when it gets cold, there's nothing to do. So there's an opportunity for Mickey's ministry to try to take off because he, he can use that building uh, for all kinds of things during this time. And so uh, there is a building there. There's a chapel. There's also a community center, which you didn't see, but there's that large building. It's like 60 foot by 400, and half of it's two stories. So it's a lot of area right there. There's a lot of things he can do. So when we add the heat, there's a, there's a lot of things he's doing, like classes. Two weeks after we left, I think there's a medical staff that came in, did some, some stuff for the public there. Um, like another example is I do heating and cooling for a living. I could go out there on a 90-day visit, teach heating and cooling, and use that for a segue for the gospel. Um, also has a place for Mongolians to sell their product. Um, they've already had requests from Christian organizations to use their buildings, but with no heat, they can't do it yet. And then also interesting about this uh, ministry is there's a, there's a lake there that's 80 miles long and about 22 miles wide. And Hat goes right on the south side of it. And most all the traffic is coming from China because this has become a very popular tourist resort or tourist place. And so they have to go through Hat Gull. So it's going to be really kind of visible as time goes on. With just the two the years that I've been going there, I can see a lot of uh, growth economically. So I think there's going to open some doors for them there. So we first went there the first year. Mickey had... Two stoves. These are just like become boilers. They heat up the uh, water. One was heating up the community center, and one was heating up a room at the other end of this big building. And that's what they did. And I asked Mickey. I said, "What are you going to do when these things breaks?" And he didn't really have a plan for it because I think he's just trying to get things developed. So what we're doing is we're tra- we're taking four stoves. We took two wood burning, two coal burning, which because that's the only uh, choice of heat out there. We're putting them together, and then they will feed like a central heating loop. So if a stove goes out, 
and if, heaven forbid, if it's 40 degrees out, he still have backup heat, and he can continue to do whatever he needs to do. And that medical, medical round, uh, room has got, we've got pumps that send out the hot water to the different buildings. And in addition to that, uh, we put some thermostats with remote sensors so the kids can't tear up the thermostats. And then we use wireless thermostats so he can make the changes from his computer. I was actually looking at the, the boilers right before I came in here on my phone so I, I could help them monitor and control that stuff. So, so normally, normally I wouldn't go to do this kind of work because normally what it costs to send me over there with the trip, they can usually get the indigenous people to do it cheaper. However, in Mongolia, their their technology isn't very far along, and they were doing some things that weren't quite right with the systems, and they were using thin pipe that's not going to last as long, so hence the reason we've kind of taken on this project. Um, how much time do I want to get? Kind of short there. Okay. Anyway, if you got any questions about going there, give me a yell. That's a cheap trip for two uh $2,500 includes everything, all the food's included. It's an easy trip. Once you get there, bathrooms, everything's available. So all the things you might worry about. <laughs> so, and here's... All right, you heard from the uh, skilled laborer. Now you're going to hear from the unskilled laborer. A skilled talker, unskilled talker, all right? So I thought, Lord, you know, I'd like... A mission trip. I said, I am going to start getting involved. I've retired, so I'm going to be involved. So we had a chance to go out with Bob Matthews Church and go out there, and I kind of enjoyed that. And I said, Lord, we've, we've been planning to go to Mongolia for years, but it canceled because of COVID. So they said, okay, we're going this year. And even though he said it was 22, I tell you, I spent a lot more than that. But <laughs> uh, anyway, so I said, okay, what are they going to be doing? They're going to work on boilers. Okay. Can, do I know anything about boilers? No. Do I weld? No. Do I know anything about uh, any uh, water uh, heaters? And I said, no. Do I know anything about laying underground piping? I said, no. And I said, Lord, what's keeping me from not going, you know? So I went. I went over there, and I said, Lord, I want to be a servant to the guy who's serving your people. And I said, Lord, that's what I want to do. And so... I am not going to talk anymore about me. I'm going to tell you about Mickey, though. When Mickey got over there about 19 years ago, 1920, he got over there, and him and his wife went out to a vacant area in the, out in the woods and decided, okay, we're going to set up home here. And he decided, what's the first thing I got to do? And he's like, Lord, what is it? And he says, you got to dig a hole for a toilet. And so he set about to dig the hole, and he's going to put a... Johnny on the spot there, you know. And so he was digging, and a guy came and started helping him. And they, when they stopped to eat lunch and stuff, he would pray. And after, you know, a few days of that, the gentleman came up to him and told him, says, you know what, I'm going to pray for my food. He goes, oh, what, what about that? He goes, well, I see you pray for your food. I want to pray for mine too. And so that's the first guy that Mickey through just digging his outhouse, started his ministry right there. And so he got, he slowly got about eight, four couples, eight people together, and they started having a Bible study. And it kind of grew there. But I brought this, and this is a cur, okay? And this is what he lived in for seven years. Forty below, it's just a round tent. There's a lot of nomadic herdsmen there. 
And when we drove, you just see cattle, goats, sheep, horses. I mean, I would say a million of them because there was all over the place. Everywhere we went, they were just roaming wild. No fences or anything. And so, but this is what he stayed in for seven years. And it's right, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Forty below, they have a stove in the middle of the room, and they have to feed that fire about every three hours, just keep feeding it. And he, you had to go outside the home there to go to the bathroom. Not a pleasant thing, I can't imagine. But he was dedicated to what God had called him to do. And so I want to thank you. Thank him for his dedication and to see the work that he's doing over there. It's just amazing. And he's, he's got this vision. He's setting up these buildings. He's got an area for basketball, for volleyball, for uh, tennis, I mean, for ping pong. And uh, he's got these other games, and he brings them in and allows the community to come in and use his facilities, and he ministers to them through that and opens up doors that normally they would never come around, you know. And so I just want to pray that he would continue to stay focused on the Lord and what he's doing. And just the, it just blessed me to be there and to see what he suffered to go through to minister to the people halfway around the world. It was just amazing. And to see that he could love God that much, that he was willing to do that. So, all right. And I will tell you one thing. We took a 15-hour drive in a van on a dirt road to get to his town. And I'm thanking the Lord that we got an airplane ride that took us two hours to take us back. <laughs> yeah. So. Right. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, the only thing I've told uh, Brent and Josh and Mike, if they go again next year, and any, any of the rest of you that might want to go with them, uh, the only thing I've said is, okay, fine if you go. But you got to bring some of those facilities back with us. Okay, he's got some great facilities. He got, he's got, they're doing great things there. And, you know, we, we got about 17,000 square feet. We only need about 17,000 more. And I'm sure you guys can do that. And uh, so, uh, man, the missionaries, it's so challenging to be with missionaries and hear from missionaries and see what missionaries are doing. They put me to shame the faith that they have, and it just gravitates things to them. And so I'm, I, you know, I don't know if this conference has blessed you. It has blessed me. You've blessed me being here. I know that you've blessed our missionaries by being here. I think our missionaries have blessed you because our goal was not necessarily to have teaching on missions, uh, but to have times, particularly during the day, multiple things that we would do that would give you the time to spend with our missionaries and do things with them and, and have them with our kids and have them, have them here with us. Um, really a fantastic time. And then for tonight to be the closing service and to have Shauna of Tory and Shauna with us. Praise the Lord. And so for you ladies that are going to the uh, ladies' uh, gathering, a conference they're having, um, uh, she's here, kind of here for that, but agreed to, to lead us in our praise tonight. Now, if um, you have been here a few years, you've heard them before, Tori and Shauna. We had them a few years ago. We did a uh, marriage conference, Miz, pre-COVID. And uh, they sang for us. And then if you have been to any of the Living Faith Fellowship stuff, um, you, you are familiar with them. Speaking of which, 
There is a Wedstrong conference in Nashville in December. Uh, uh, catch us online. Uh, we'll be able to get you the information, check with the office, check our Facebook feed. Uh, and they will be singing there at that, right? Yeah. And we've already got, I don't know, six or eight or ten couples that are going to go to that. They are going to caravan down to that. So if you're interested in that, uh, give us a shout in the office so we can uh, begin making arrangements, kind of getting stuff together. But also, I will let you know that besides the merch that we have uh, for the conference, um, they have, so Tori and Sean, I have like EPs and CDs and DVDs and and eight-track tape and cassette, just of your choice, whatever you want, they've got it. Check with them back there, and you know, I didn't, I spent a lot of time, but I was kind of looking at it, you know, I, years ago, I got a, like a wristband, and I see you've upgraded to bracelets if, I, you know, I don't think I can get away. I mean, it just, uh, but it's kind of all, it's like, kind of like only women's thing, isn't it? Okay. Okay. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Shoe, shoes and man bags. I have a lot of them. So uh, okay. So now let's. I'm going to ask the ushers to get ready. Ushers to kind of come forward or get in the aisles or whatever they're going to do. You know, I haven't asked ushers to come forward to take an offering in two and a half years. So this is the first time in two and a half years, but we're going to do it tonight. Um, you know, I, I, I came from a church that every year their missions conference was pre-funded by offerings from the year before. So this was way back in the day. I mean, this, I've been here 10 years, so this was more than that, 15 years ago, let's say, and they'd have $35,000, $40,000 for a conference, and that was already there, rolled over from the year before because the offerings that came in, stuff like that, and we don't, we don't have that, so we, all of this we have done up front, but I'm not going to let you leave without giving you an opportunity to have a stake in what has gone on, and if you can't give tonight, uh, obviously we got offering boxes every Sunday out here, uh, both in here and in the lobby, and just use our focus fund online, yeah, just drop it into that, and so every, everything comes in this month, we'll do that uh, with it, but uh, you know, I, I want to give you a chance, and um, I, I hope that you are happy with me treating our missionaries lavishly. Amen. I hope so. I mean, as far as that goes... I hope you feel like we've treated you lavishly for this conference. And here's the reason I do that. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 23, Paul, Paul wrote, writes Corinthians and says, Look, whether any do inquire of Titus, well, who is Titus? Why, you know, what? Titus who? Well, he is our partner and fellow helper concerning you or if they inquire of our brethren, if our brethren be inquired of. So they sent some other missionaries, Paul did, along with Titus to take that epistle to Corinth. He said, you know who they are? 
They are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. And I think that's what our missionaries are. I think they are the messengers sent out by the churches. And, 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 and they are serving the gospel to a dying world with the message that they give. And that kind of makes them the glory of Christ. So I want us to glorify God tonight. And uh, so, uh, so Shona's going to lead us in an offertory. Let me pray, and uh, then we'll, we'll pass the plates. Father, I thank you tonight for your mercies to us. I thank you for leading us to this point. I thank, thank you that you gave us the faith to follow through and say, yes, let, let's, let's do this. Let's have first time in 30 years. Let's have our own. Let's start with a missions conference, not with something else. Let's do this. Let's make it good for our kids. Let's, let's make it good for the people. Let's, let's, let's make sure that we can make it robust enough that it glorifies and honors you and, and we can have our hearts challenged. And Lord, I really believe out of that, you will call some people. You will call some people into your service. And whether that mission is here or abroad, God, we look forward to, to raising up an army. God, uh, be, be with us tonight. Father, we ask you would bless the offering. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Psalm 107 in um, the first verse says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Let's worship on his goodness.
I don't care who was singing or not. I had to worship him all my life. We're going to talk to the Lord so good with every breath, with every breath that I am able. Hallelujah. I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, he's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Praise Amen. Praise the Lord. Go ahead and be seated. I'm going to take care of one more thing uh, real quick before I introduce Kale And Shauna, if that offering was half as good as your singing, we will have enough money for this conference and two more to go. I'm just saying. So I was licensed to gospel ministry in 1980 by Dr. Parker Daly at um, uh, Blue Ridge Baptist Temple, and licensing is kind of an in-house thing uh, that says among, you know, uh, where we say to the congregation, look, this person, uh, we believe, is qualified to stand in our place and kind of do everything here that we're able to um, uh, And back in that day, um, there was also sufficient for IRS purposes and, uh, you know, what, what they would designate as a minister. So I was, I was licensed in 1980. I was, I don't know, it was more than 10 years later. It was, I don't know, 15, 20 years later. It was, it, you know, a decade or more later, I'm at Kansas City Baptist Temple, and they were going to do uh, ordinations one year at World Outreach, and it, somebody had asked me if I was ordained. Well, n- n- no. As typically in Baptist circles, ordination is for somebody going outside the church to take another church. Um, so I, you know, I, I didn't think anything of it, but they're like, no, you need to, you need to be ordained. And so larger churches like ours, uh, usually the trigger is somebody's living of their calling. In other words, getting paid something for doing it. And, and then it kind of needs to be according to Hoyle by the IRS. And so you know, ordination becomes that even, th- even if they are not uh, going out to take a church or become a missionary. But Matt Grantham, go ahead and come up. Where are you at, Matt? Come up here. Based on the recommendation of Ron Griffin and with the consent of the other pastors, we want the rest of the congregation to know that we are licensing you to the gospel ministry. Praise the Lord. That and about five dollars to get you really good coffee at Starbucks. But also, technically, according to the state, it allows you to do marriages and things like that, which you can't do without that. So, praise the Lord. God bless you. Cale <laughs> Horvath is out of First Baptist Church in New Philadelphia, Ohio. And Cale and his family moved to Budapest, Hungary, as church planting missionaries um, in December of, uh, yeah, it'll be two years ago this December. 
And uh, Kayla and Brooke have worked alongside the Hungarian American Fellowship, which is out of Brett Bartlett's church, Wellwood Baptist Church in Michigan, in putting on um, summer camps for children and sharing the gospel with them ever since 2014. Uh, currently, they're working on language learning, and, you know, I take that back. Currently, Brooke is, is working on having a baby or, or uh, actually be praying because she's about five weeks it's about five weeks too soon-ish, four weeks down to four weeks too soon, and she's kind of working on not having that baby just yet. And so be praying for Kale, be praying for Brooke, and um, you know she's not able to be here with him because she's doing a greater work than he is, but we're glad to have him. And uh, so they're trusting God to plant a church in Budapest as, as soon as God will allow. So, Kale, come up and give us a word, man. Uh, good evening, everybody. It is a joy to be with you all, truly. Um, like Pastor Allen said, uh, the last time I was here with you was uh, mission focus end of 2019 going into 2020 and my family and I moved to Budapest in the middle of the pandemic in December of 2020 uh, which was later than we intended to go but you know the pandemic uh, it pushed everything back a little bit but we have been there almost two years now we came back this is our first time we got back about three weeks ago um, Chad I, I think you had just got back recently and I and you're standing in front of your church the first I know what that's like, man. When I got to stand in front of First Baptist for the first time after two years, it's a, it's a special moment. So uh, I just want to say thank you all so much for having me and for inviting me here. Um, it is really a pleasure to see. It, it's really cool when you come back from the field to see your home church, but then to get to go see other churches who have become your family. Um, and not just adopted family. We are family, right? We're all in this thing together. And um, like Pastor Allen said, my wife and my son aren't here because she's still cooking the second son. And uh, he's trying to come out early and we're hoping he doesn't because I'm not there yet. So um, we, I just want to give you a little bit just very quickly about us. If you don't know, I know that you guys have been supporting us since we were on deputation. So you guys know a little bit. But if, if you don't know about us, I just want to give you just a really quick snapshot of what we've been doing the last two years because we've been working on the language, which is one of the top five hardest languages in the world. And I don't say that for pity. I say that, well, yeah, mostly for pity, but also because it, it's just, it's hard. It's hard, um, but the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. So uh, if you want to pray for those mercies for me and my family as we learn this language, I'd appreciate it. Uh, we've been learning the culture, building relationships. Our son, who's four and a half, goes, uh, he just started this year before we came back, going all day to kindergarten. Um, they go a little bit earlier over in Hungary, and uh, we wanted him to go anyway to learn the language and to play with kids his own age and make friends, and he's doing amazing. We, we practice Hungarian in our home. In fact, it was... Uh, uh, Brother Ramiro last night taught us how to say something in Spanish. Who, who remembers what that was? Because I don't. Joy. Joy day. That's right. And, and that meant I will go, right? And so it was funny because when, when I heard him say that off the cuff, I was like, oh, that sounds like a Hungarian phrase, which is jedaida, which means come here, which is a, a little different, but it's also what I yell at my son constantly, like, jedaida, jedaida, like, get over here. 
And uh, so, yeah, that was that was kind of funny. But we're we're still working on that, and uh, and and it's been good. But when people ask me what we've been doing since we left, like, hey, man, it's been two years. What what do you guys do? What does a missionary do when they first go to the field? And my answer is, we're digging. We're digging. And I, Chad, I'm sure he can attest to this. We're, we're laying the foundation. We moved to Hungary. There wasn't an established missionary or ministry that we were joining. It was only people that we had either led to the Lord or made friends with. And so the pandemic made that interesting, kind of ruined our initial plans, but that's okay. We still had to get there. And so we, we're, we're breaking ground on a new ministry foundation, and that takes work. And you guys probably know this already, but the church isn't a building, amen? The church is what? It's people. Church is people, but in, in the Bible, it does compare the church to a building. So, you know, you've got Ephesians 2, 1 Corinthians 3. The church is made of lively stones. We're all built together like stones and two-by-fours to make the building. So it, it's not a building, but in type it is. So when you're building a new ministry from the ground up, you are building a building, but you're building people. And that's important because the church is a living organism made of born-again Christians, Right? Is there any, well, I know there's a few, uh, if you're, is anyone in here a construction worker or a builder? Raise your hand if you're one of them blue collar guys. All right, so we've got a few, listen, those are my kind of people, man. I, I'm, a, I'm a nobody from nowhere in Northeast Ohio. My dad was a mechanic. Uh, a lot of my friends and the people at our church are blue collar construction workers, and they're just hardworking, get down and dirty, manly men. Men who dig in the dirt, pour cement, carry bricks. That's foundation work, man. That's, that's hard work. It ain't for children. It ain't for lazy bums neither. You got to get to work and you got to put in a full day's work to pour that cement and build that foundation. If you're going to build a new building, you better get that foundation right too. Because if you don't build that foundation right or you don't even take the time to put in a foundation, that thing's going fall right, to fall down in a strong wind. When I was a youth pastor in FBC in New Philly, Ohio, I had the opportunity and the privilege to help uh, work on a new youth building that we were building. And it took forever to get that project off the ground from planning and engineers. And then, and then they literally dug holes in the ground to test the dirt and all of these things. It took forever uh, to actually get to the point after excavating to where they, they poured the footers, which is the, the foundation. But then once that foundation was done, which took forever, the building flew up pretty quick. It was kind of surprising, but you got to spend the time getting that foundation right. And so that's what we've been doing the last two years, digging, prepping the land for the foundation. What's that look like as a missionary? Well, I tell you, it's hard. It's dirty work. It takes a while. But if you're going to pioneer new work where other men haven't laid a foundation, man, that requires hard work and patience, and diligence. And I don't say that because I'm, I'm some important or, or even, uh, even that good at my job. I just say that because if you're considering being a missionary, we're at a Go Conference, right? I'm just, I'm just I'm laying it out on the line telling you like it is. We're not going to romanticize this thing. It's hard work. It's like being a construction worker. You better be willing to get down and dirty and to dig and to put in some hard work. And, uh, but you know what? Like Chad said, it's worth it. It's worth it because you get to see people's lives changed. And we've had, uh, we've got a tight group of people, six or eight people that we're investing in constantly. Wide range of guys. I've got one guy who's saved and I'm discipling. We just started discipleship. We've even Zoom meeting with him while I'm here. Um, and, and we've got some guys who are saved but, but not, haven't grown too much yet, just doing some Bible studies. We've got some others who are counting the cost. They've, they know the gospel. They're just deciding if this is what they want to give their life for. And then I've got some other friends who, uh, 
they just play disc golf and they probably smoke a lot of something natural and and they're and I'm just I'm just loving making friends with these guys and and it and it, listen it's not always the sexiest thing can I say that I'm sorry I I used to be a youth Brett you guys have Brett here I was a youth pastor for a long time right? I'm sure Brett said something worse than that but it's not always the best thing in the newsletter but you know what it's just it's foundation work you're just plowing you're digging and you're laying that foundations, and you're looking towards the future. Like, I know there's going to be a building here someday, but we got to do this today. And so that's, that's what we're doing. And so thank you guys for your constant prayer and support. Um, and, and man, you can, if, if you want, we got a little table out there. If you want to grab a prayer card on your way out, and I'm going to do the joke. You can take the prayer card, hang it on your fridge, and when you get hungry, you can pray for hungry. Okay? <laughs> no, don't clap for that. Don't clap for that. So... You can also check out our website, HorvastaHungry.com, and you can sign up for newsletter and all that jazz. But anyway, okay, we've got that aside. Now, in a minute, we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to speak to us tonight because I don't have anything that matters to say. But before we do that, I want to make sure that you're all awake and all aware. How are you guys doing? Are you tired? It's been a long week, right? It's the end of a great week at Go Missions Conference here, but, but it's not over yet. We're trusting God that he still has more to say to us. And so I want to ask you and beg you for 30 more minutes of attention to hear from the Lord. Let's go hard, y'all. Okay? Let's leave it all out on the field. Play until the whistle. Wednesday's not over yet. Okay? You know, the enemy would love for you to fall asleep or to doze off tonight and to not hear from him or not hear from God. He'd love for you to daydream about sports and how the Kansas City Chiefs barely beat the Raiders. Or if you're a Raiders fan, he would love for you to daydream about how you think they cheated. That was for Mark, wherever he was at. Or he'd love for you to sit and worry about school or work tomorrow and how much work you've got to do because you've been spending the last three days at this conference. But I'm telling you, do you think Satan likes what we're doing here this week? No. No. He hates this. Do you know what this conference is? This conference is a tactical battle strategy meeting. That's what this is. We are recruiting new soldiers to the front lines. We are discussing sending resources to soldiers on foreign soil. We are planning our attack strategies, and Satan does not like that. I myself almost didn't even make it here because of my wife's pain. Like, I missed our flight. I was supposed to come out on Saturday, but we were in the hospital at 3 a.m. I'm not saying that that happened so that I wouldn't be here like I'm something. But we also, we, I mean, there, there was a hurricane there was uh, a Brother Scott. I mean, there's, there's issues happening. And I'm not saying they're happening because of this conference, but Satan would love to distract us. He would love to distract you. He would lo- love to distract the speakers from saying what God wants them to say. And so listen, let's pray that God would keep us awake. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let's stay awake for 30 more minutes and let's hear, let's have open ears, open hearts to hear what he has to say tonight. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, I come to you tonight, and I'm just, I'm humbled, God. I really, every time I get to speak to anyone, I'm humbled because I'm just a nobody from nowhere. My father wasn't a prophet. I am no prophet's son, but I'm just, I was just a nobody from Northeast Ohio, and you said, go preach to the people, and I said, okay, and now we're here. I mean, it's, it's just amazing, and so I'm always humbled to be in this spot, and God, I just pray that you would set me aside tonight. I've got nothing of worth to say. You have everything of worth to say, and I pray that your spirit would move and would speak, and that we would have open ears and hearts to be sensitive to what that is that each of us needs to hear as we conclude this Go Conference. Father, it's in the name of Christ that I pray. Amen.
Now, I'm a student of preaching. I love preaching. I grew up, Pastor Mark Trotter was my pastor in New Philly, Ohio, from the age of birth to 16. And then after that, Pastor Jeff Bartell came. And while Mark Trotter was there, I also had Frank Pardue, if you know that name. I've just been blessed to have amazing men of God in my life. And then as I got older and introduced to uh, KCBT, uh, Jeff Adams would come in to our church every year and do Spring Bible Conference. And then I, as, a, as an adult, I did LFBI and got to learn from men like, like your pastor, Alan Shelby. I, I, I've had the opportunity to study under Alan and LFBI. And I still, when I hear him preach to this day, I still study him whenever he preaches, because I want to tell you this, if you're learning to preach, if you're an LFBI or something, my advice to you is to study preachers, okay? Watch what they do, watch what they don't do, and then steal what they do well, okay? That's the key. That's the key. And something that I learned from watching Alan is that you should script out a good intro and include a pop culture reference. Hello, somebody. Okay? So, that's called pandering to the crowd. So, I was born in Northeast Ohio, about an hour south of Cleveland. I'm a huge Cleveland sports fan, for better or mostly worse. In 2016, the Cleveland Cavaliers, led by the homegrown LeBron James, went, hey, to the finals against the Golden State Warriors, who had won 73 games that regular season, the best statistical regular season team ever. And Cleveland, my home, not really hometown, but I identify with it, it was seeking to end a 52-year drought of, of not just basketball, but professional sports championships in the city. We were depressed, and we needed this. And the city came up, if, if you've ever had a basketball team go to the finals, the team markets and brands it, and they pick like a slogan for everyone to rally behind. And the rallying slogan was all in. We're all in this, listen, it's going it, to, we're such underdogs, Cleveland. We're ready for it all to go bad that we're like, if we're going to do this thing, everyone who lives in Cleveland is going to have to band together, and we're going to have to win because we should not win because this team is so much better than us. And so we rallied together, and the Cavs were down 3-1 to one in the seven-game series, and they were the first team ever to come back from 3-1 to one and win it in Game 7. That was not meant to be that inspirational, but I just I get choked up. I can still hear the block and the shot. Okay, anyway, 52 years, guys. That's a long drought. It's a long drought. All in was their slogan. So there's my pop culture reference, Alan. The theme for tonight... Is all in. As we end this missions conference tonight, I'd like you all to consider whether you, in fact, are all in when it comes to the Great Commission. Luke 9 is our main text tonight, if you want to be turning there. Let's start by looking at a very common memory verse, Luke 9.23 and 9.24. Jesus says to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Verse 24, for whosoever will save his life, shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. I think we all know this verse by heart, but for some reason, sometimes, after our salvation, we tend to forget what that actually means. Jesus is calling for followers who will deny themselves and daily take up their cross to do whatever it takes to follow him. Amen? That's... and. and and believe me, when we get saved, we know what we're signing up for. But then, in Laodicea, we tend to kind of forget that deal we made. Further down in Luke 9, we come across another familiar passage that's going to be our main text. We see three men in Luke 9, 57 through 62. 
who wanted to follow Jesus, but he wasn't the priority for them. Sometimes we call these guys the me first guys, right? That's the typical way we preach this guy. These guys are like, oh, Lord, I want to follow you, but suffer me first or allow me first. And, and, that's, and that's true. But let's go ahead and read this. And, and I want to show you something that the Lord showed me. I was in my devotions uh, in early September before we came back to America. And, and God just, he laid this passage on my heart through a missions lens. Now that I had been on the field for two years and, and I didn't know, I, I wrote not the whole sermon, but I just outlined this thing that the Lord had given me. And I'm like, I don't know who this, what this, whose church this is for, but I, I think when I'm in America, this needs to be said somewhere. And I, and I, and I believe, Harvest, that, that the Lord has this for us here tonight. So let's read Luke 9, 57 through 62. It says, It came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And when I was reading this last month, it struck me a little differently. Now as a missionary getting ready to come back to the U.S. for the first time since moving, he, he showed me this passage through a missions lens. And it won't take long, I promise you, but I've got three questions to you from night from these three men that I think if we can answer these questions honestly, it will tell us if we are in fact all in for the Great Commission. The first question is, are you willing to forsake possessions? For the sake of the great commission. Luke 9.57. The first man. He's, he said I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. That's a noble plea. But in verse 58. Jesus says unto him. An interesting thing. He doesn't say oh praise the Lord. Fill out a prayer card. He says. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the son of man hath not where to lay it. You know what? He got real with him. He said Lord I'll follow you wherever you go. And he didn't say oh man. This is the best deal you're ever going to. You know what he said? He got real he said, you know what, man? Animals got places to sleep. I don't. Are you sure about that? Are you sure about following me where? We don't even see his response. It's interesting. Because we all know that no response is a response, right? You know, I've never been able to personally identify with verse 58 until 2020. Because in order to move to the mission field, my wife and I, we sold everything that we owned except for what we could fit into two large boxes about the size of a refrigerator. And we shipped those to Hungary. We sold our house, our cars, 99% of what we owned. And all the while, we weren't sure if we were going to be able, if or when we would get into Hungary because of the craziness. So after we sold our house, we had to sell the house so we could go. So we moved in with my parents, waiting on visa information. And that first night after we had sold our house, I'm an adult man with a family and I'm sleeping in my teenage bedroom in the basement with my wife and my two-year-old son in the crib beside us. And, and I thought of that verse. I know we weren't homeless, we weren't on the street, but for the first time in my life, I wouldn't have had a place to lay my head unless my parents said, hey, you can, you can sleep here. But that was by choice. I said, Lord, we will sell this house and this bed in order to move to Hungary, and we don't know when that's going to happen. And we'll stay with my parents, but, but for the first time in, in my entire life, it felt I felt homeless for the first time ever. 
sleeping in my parents' house with my family, waiting to see if we could get in to Hungary. But this verse gave me peace because for the first time in my life, I felt like maybe for a fraction of a second, I could almost identify with the sufferings of Christ. Even just barely, I was like, okay, we're starting to get somewhere maybe. Let me ask you this. Now, this this isn't going to be a hard message tonight, guys. This is going to be really easy to understand, but it might be a hard pill to swallow. Are you willing to forsake all of your earthly possessions for the kingdom of God? What if it means you don't know where your family's going to live? Or if you have to live out of suitcases and hotel rooms and spare bedrooms? If you have to sell all of your belongings? I know it sounds radical, but it's really not. It's radical for an American to do something like that. But it's not radical for a Christian. It's reasonable. 2,000 years ago, it was the norm if you're going to follow Christ. Matthew 6, 19. I'm just reminding you of things. You guys know this. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there, where your, there will your heart be also. Matthew 4, the parable, or Mark 4 rather, the parable of the sower. You got four different kinds of dirt. I know we talk about this in, an, in, a, in evangelism a lot of times. But, but look, look at this. What, what was the third type of soil? Verse 18, Jesus ex- is explaining the parable. He says, these are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in. What does it do? chokes the word and it becomes what? Unfruitful. Thorns creep in. Those thorns are the affairs of this life and the cares of this world and they choke the word so that there's no fruit. It reminds me, this one's not going to be in your notes, but it reminds me of 2 Timothy 2 because we all know 2 Timothy 2, 2, that's the discipleship verse, right? That thou would take Uh, The things that thou hast heard of me, Timothy, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Discipleship, the great commission. Let's do it. What comes after that? Thou therefore endure hardness. Because that's what comes if you're going to do that. If you're going to live a life of the great commission and discipleship, you better endure hardness as a good soldier. Because that's what we are of Jesus Christ. Verse 4 says, no man that warreth entangleth himself. There's a good cross-reference for you between Mark 4 and 2 Timothy 2, 4. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Why? That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. American Christian living in the 21st century, have you become entangled with the affairs of this life in so much that it has rendered you unfruitful? If we're going to go, we must be willing to forsake earthly possessions. Doesn't mean you have to, but are you willing? Number two, are you willing to forsake events for the sake of the Great Commission? Events. Luke nine fifty nine. he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. A seemingly noble request. Just let me go and bury my father. But Jesus wants us to sacrifice all for him. Since we left for the mission field, I'm just going to be real with you guys. We've missed friends getting married. 
We've missed friends giving birth. Family and loved ones have passed away and we've missed it. I was on deputation when my grandma passed away. We were in Hungary when my aunt and my uncle died. I was 4,500 miles away in Hungary on my knees praying for my childhood pastor Mark when he went home to be with the Lord. And I wasn't able to be at the funeral in my hometown of New Philly. I missed it. But I was doing what God asked me to do. And that's worth it. And uh, can I just tell you, if you're going to be all in for Christ, you're going to miss some things. You're going to miss some events. You're going to miss some deaths. You're going to miss some births, marriages, graduations, birthdays, basketball games. But are you willing? I'm not saying you have to. I'm saying, are you willing to forsake all of those events for the sake of the gospel of Christ in order to preach the kingdom of God? Because by the way, that's not just for missionaries. That's for all followers of Christ. These were men who wanted to follow Christ, men that Christ asked, will you follow me? And they weren't quite ready to be that all in. I would love to have the benefits of of following you, Jesus, but man, if I have to forsake things, the rich young ruler, if I have to forsake events, I'm not sure. That's, That's a lot. Number three, are you willing to forsake people? This might be the hardest because the, a lot of us can get to the mindset of like, you know what? I know where my home is. I know that this is not my home. I'm just passing through and, and things I don't care. I know how to be a bound. I know how to be a base. I know how to abound. It's fine. If the Lord takes all my things, no worries. But you know what? This one's a little tougher, I think. Verse 61, another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first. Go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, if you weren't a Christian, you might think that Jesus is asking for a big commitment here. But if you're a Christian, you're supposed to know that that's what Jesus has asked for all along. We made that deal, Christian. You can't be like, I didn't know what I was signing up for. You did. You did. Genesis 22, we're not going to go there. You know the story. God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son, his only begotten son, sounds familiar, for his glory. And now what God asks and what God takes away, he can give back again. But are we willing to give it up for him, people? When we moved to Hungary, and I heard my two-year-old son crying at night that he missed his grandparents and wanted to go, literally said, I want to go back to America. He's two and a half. I sat down and I asked myself, what have I done? Am I a bad dad? Am I a bad dad? Did I just ruin my family? And I just prayed and I just wept and I said, Lord, I'm resting on your promises that you have confirmed in our lives for the last five to ten years that you've been working this thing. This was, we didn't get trigger happy. We didn't jump on the, on the first emotionally charged uh, decision. We, you have been proving over and over and over again that we are supposed to do this. And even though it's hard, and it's hard on my family, we're all in, for better or for worse, because you asked me to do it. It's hard to leave family, guys. I can attest to that. It's hard to leave your home church. If you grew up at a church, like I, at New Philadelphia, I was, I was born there. And I was, you know, some of the ladies there, when I, when I visit, they love to remind me that they changed my diapers. And that's weird. 
But you know, it's like leaving the home church was just as hard as leaving my family because they were my family, you know? It's hard to leave. It's hard to have your kids grow up away from their grandparents, but we do it because God asked us to. A couple pages to the right in Luke chapter 14, Jesus says, if any man come to me and hate, hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And if you've studied the Bible at all or sat under a good preacher, you know he's not asking you to literally hate your family, but he is asking you to love him so much that in comparison, the love for your family seems to be hatred. He wants to be number one. And we're, we, are we willing to forsake people? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you're going to do it with a smile on your face all the time, but are you willing to do it for the sake of Christ? Are you willing to forsake all for Christ? Possessions, events, people for him? By the way, I want you to notice that that verse doesn't say, whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be a missionary. <laughs> you don't get off the hook that easy. It says, cannot be my disciple. Hello, somebody. <laughs> Forsaking all isn't just for missionaries. It's for all Christians who have decided to follow Jesus Christ. No turning back. No turning back. But specifically, I do want to talk to you tonight for a moment. If you think that maybe God could be calling you to be a missionary this week, these are three questions you must ask yourselves. Because the reality of what God is asking you to do is this. It's what we've been talking about. It's no Instagram adventure lifestyle. It's no TikTok dance, whatever that is. I'm getting old. Are you all in? Are you all in? At the end of the day, guys, this is a go conference, right? Prayer is important, but this isn't a prayer conference. Giving is important. It's not a giving conference. This is a go conference. Are you all in? Will you go? You know, I, I was reading a book recently, uh, uh, one of those, I love reading missionary biographies, I'm a nerd like that, and, and I like reading the ones where they've got like 10 or 20 just kind of summarized ones, and, and there was a quote towards the end of the book that I really liked, it said, all must pray, most can give, some can go. Where are you at? Where are you at? If you're not praying, well, you got to start that, you don't have an excuse for not praying for world evangelism. If you're not giving, you need to trust the Lord with your finances because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But if you're doing all that and you still don't feel like you're doing everything that the Lord would have you to do, maybe, maybe if you are invested in doing ministry right here in Kansas City area, in Blue Springs, and you are making disciples of all nations right here, maybe, just maybe, God will ask you to change your address for the gospel. Because that's all it is. It's going to be different. It's a different language, possibly, different culture. But he's just asking you to do what you're doing here somewhere else. You know, I, I had to add this in here last minute. This wasn't in my notes, but uh, the brothers who shared about uh, going to Mongolia. I know Mickey. I love him. Um, but was, was it Brother Michael? Is that, was that your name? 
And you, yeah, you said that, you know, I'm retired, and so I wanted, I wanted to make sure I was getting involved, and that just struck me, and, and it, it reminded me of the story I just want to share with you, because I know what these things were like, we're talking to young people all the time, right? We're talking to the, the 20-year-olds or the teenagers to give your life for the Lord, but maybe you're in here, and you're in that retired stage, or getting close to that stage, and you're like, young man, I'm not going anywhere, but I know I need, what do I do? How does this apply to me? Can I give you a short, short little story? That, uh, so, so my parents um, got married really young. My dad's only 20 years older than me. My dad got married when he was 18. And uh, so I'm 31. My dad's 51. Sorry, any guys in there, you could be my dad. But uh, my mom and dad got married. And in the late 80s, they moved into this apartment building. And my dad was this 18, 19-year-old kid with a mullet. Uh, I think they were in back then, but I don't know. And he, he rode a Harley and he was like in the Harley, the hog chapter and he had tattoos and just a rough looking 18, 19 year old kid. Him and my mom moved in this apartment building and there was a sweet old little old lady there. I don't know. I don't know this elderly saint's full name. We just called her grandma Lawrence. I don't know if that was her first name or her last name, but we, we went over and we visited grandma Lawrence at least once a week, even after my parents, after I was born and they moved out of that apartment building, we go visit her. And uh, Grandma Lawrence was not intimidated by my rough-looking dad. And she would go, and she would go over to their flat every week, several times a week, inviting them to the First Baptist Church in New Philadelphia. And she wouldn't take no for an answer. And she finally bullied them into coming. (laughs) And they came to our church, and I was born there. And I got to be raised up, being discipled by great men of God. And today, I'm in Budapest, Hungary. And Grandma Lawrence has long went home to be with the Lord, but Grandma Lawrence has crowns at the judgment seat of Christ in Budapest, Hungary, because she went across the hall to a rough-looking 19-year-old kid with a mullet and tattoos and said, you need to come to church with me. That's what you can do, okay? Grandma Lawrence has crowns in heaven because she invited my biker dad to go to church with her. Praise the Lord for Grandma Lawrence. So at the end of this conference... Here's where we want to end. I want us all to consider counting the cost of going all in. Now, we probably should have did this when we got saved, but let's take the benefit of the doubt, and let's just count the cost of going all in, okay? Let's, uh, we're already in Luke. Go to Luke chapter 14. You know this story. It says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king goeth to make war against another king, sitting not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise... Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be a missionary. Whoa, is that what it says? He cannot be my disciple. Now listen, this might sound a little bleak. I'm sorry if this wasn't a super encouraging motivational speech tonight, but this is the reality, Christian, of being a soldier for Jesus Christ. Randy Foster just shared last night about the, the Bible publishing ministry. He told me once, you know, the Lord, he, he grew up in a, in a military household, and he said, Kale, the Lord's our commander. He gives us the orders, and we say, yes, sir. We, we don't have to enjoy it. We don't have to like it. We just obey. We do what he says. We're soldiers for the Lord. We signed up. We enlisted. 
But listen, this stuff isn't all bleak. I just, I want you to count the cost of being all in. Young people too, if you're considering what you want to do with your life, please consider something other than just getting a four-year degree and pursuing the American dream. Please consider giving your life for the souls of men for the sake of the kingdom of God. Would you please consider that? We have enough engineers. I'm not against engineers. We got enough. We don't have enough men going to the field. We don't have enough people going across the street. We don't have enough people giving their all for the sake of Christ. Pastor Mark Trotter used to say it this way. Are you submitted to whatever, whenever, wherever? It's the same idea. But the reality is that God does reward those who serve him. He does. It's not all bleak. Those who sacrifice this temporary physical life for his kingdom will be rewarded. You're playing the long game. You're sending your rewards on forward. This, this is long-term investing with judgment seat dividends. That's what you're doing. Luke 18, verse 28, Peter said to Jesus, Lo, we've left all and followed thee. Peter's looking at Jesus and he's like, Man, we've given up everything to follow you. And Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and the world to come life everlasting. Blessed are the feet of those who go and preach the gospel. Listen, that, that applies to everyone. And if you are willing to go all in and to forsake all that we have talked about tonight, God does not miss you. He sees you. He sees what you're doing. He sees your obedience. He sees your heart. And he will meet you at the judgment seat of Christ where you will have more gold, silver, and precious stones, hopefully, than wood, hay, and stubble. Now, don't raise your hand, but let me just ask you one last time as we begin to close. Are you all in? Are you all in? Have you counted the cost? Are you willing to forsake all for Christ because it's your reasonable service not because i'm a salesman trying to sell you on minimalism or some higher way of living that will give you a peace no because it's your reasonable service as a soldier of christ are you all in if you are don't keep that to yourself make sure you tell your pastors that let them know that you're all in and want to serve god with your whole life okay have accountability so that they can help you Get to where God wants you to be. But I just want to say, guys, if you're willing to do that, it's worth it. Chad said that earlier too. It's worth it. He's worth it. The souls of men and women all around the world are worth it. Who will go? You guys familiar with the name Nate Saint? He was a missionary along with Jim Elliott and a group of other men who died on January 8th, 1956 at the end of a spear by the Ecuadorian tribe that they were trying to reach with the gospel. And he said this, People who do not know the Lord ask why in the world we waste our lives as missionaries. They forget that they too are expending their lives. And when the bubble has burst, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years that they have wasted. Are you all in? 
Are you all, I got one more quote for you. I have this one written on the front page of my Bible. When I met Paul Clark years ago, his father, Clifford Clark, who went home to be with the Lord, was the pastor of uh, the Tulsa Baptist Temple in Oklahoma. And he said this, the gospel is only good news to the lost if it reaches them in time. Put that in the front of your Bible. The gospel is only good news to the lost if it reaches them in time, guys. Are we all in? You may not go to Europe, you may not go to Africa, but will you go somewhere? Will you go across the hall like Grandma Lawrence? There's not a lot of time left. We must go. Are you all in? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the privilege to preach your word. I pray, God, that as we end this week, that we would consider the cost count the cost of being all in and what that means for our lives. And then, the, and then once we have counted that cost, if we are in fact all in, that we would position ourselves so that we can be trained or prepared or whatever it is so that we may be used of you. Vessels of honor, fit for the master's use. Use us, Lord, to shake the salt to a dying world. It's in the name of Christ I pray, amen. Ask you to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I, I'm just going to take five minutes, literally only five minutes, and and then we'll get up and we'll, we will go. That was so good. I mean, that's exactly what we needed. That's exactly the way to end our first to go conference. And you know, I want to do the Lord justice. I want to do the Holy Spirit justice. I want to do you justice. By saying, okay, we're going to end this. I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you to do the hardest thing and the easiest thing. Okay, it's going to be easy thing. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Um, I mean, that's just part of our facilities in space considerations. I'm not going to ask you to get up, get out of the aisle, come forward. I am going to ask you to stand up, but only under certain conditions. So it's an easy thing, just stand up. It's a hard thing under one condition. So I'm going to ask you tonight as we close, is God calling you to greater involvement? I want you to answer that question in your heart right now. I know you can. I mean, just based on tonight, even if you've not been here the other nights, I know that you can answer that question. Is God calling you to greater involvement? Is God calling you to greater surrender? Is God calling you to greater usefulness? Whether you're old or whether you're young, whether you have been here for a while or whether you are brand new and just walked in, is God calling you to greater involvement? If you would say, Alan, yes, he is, stand up right now. Just stand up right now. If you would say yes, I want to give you a minute or two for you to pray before the Lord right now as you're standing. And then I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray over you. Is God calling you to greater usefulness? You know, and I, and I don't know what that means. And maybe you don't know what that means. I'm not calling you to a field. God will call you to a field perhaps at some point. And it may be here or abroad, that's between you and God. But, but, God, but before you get to that point, 
God's going to be calling you to greater usefulness. Because every, every missionary we have seen this week, I think they would tell you, it, it has to start right here or it won't go anywhere. If God's calling you any place, it's got to start right here. If it doesn't start right here, it will not go anywhere. If you feel like you could say, yes, Alan, I know that either tonight or one of the other nights I've been here just in my heart and I sense this, I know that God is calling me to a greater surrender, a greater usefulness, a greater involvement. I may not know what that means, but I want you to pray for me so we can figure that out together. Stand up right now. Father, I thank you. Lord, I I praise you. I mean, we have a great group here tonight. We have as good a group tonight as we do on any, any given service on a Sunday morning. And Lord, I thank you for so many people whose hearts you are speaking to. Now, Lord, I know that many of the other ones, they are already fully involved. I mean, I, I, God, I thank you for all of those who have been involved this week and they've shown it. They've been neck deep involved in the things that have gone on this week. So I know that's true of many other people. But Lord, I pray for those who have stood right now because what they are saying is they know that you are calling them to something greater than where they were at when they, when they first came here. Something greater than where they were at when they came came in. Something greater than where they have been before they reached this spot with you. And God, I just pray your blessing. I raise up my heart to you with them to ask that you would continue to speak into their heart, Lord. Speak about the things you want them to do. Use your word, use the preaching, use the discipler, use our adult class pastors, use the singing. Lord, use use whatever you, you can use and want to use to speak into our hearts about everything we can be for you. Lord, let our life become that testimony flame. We could be the next Nate saint who is willing to be all in and not ashamed, not at all sad what it costs us because we know what it's worth. We know what Jesus is worth and he's gonna use us. He's gonna use us together. He's gonna use us here. He may, you, he may move some of us away, but he's gonna use us here first. God, I thank you for these men and women. I pray your blessing as we go on in the, in the weeks ahead. And God, we ask for our children who have been ministered to this week that you would speak into their hearts as well. May they see adults in this church that are all in. Just like that elderly lady that that approached Kale's dad. Lord, let, let them see older people that are all in. That'll make it so much easier for them to follow you when you call them in their own life as adults. For we ask these things in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. Love you. Thank you for coming out. Have a great week. You're dismissed. See you Sunday.